Welcome, everyone, to the You're Still Out Golf Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined in studio, as always, by my good friend and self-proclaimed golf sicko, Mr. Jonathan Teal. JT, how are we doing this evening, bud? Keith, good to be with you, as always. Been a busy few days in the golf world, locally, out on the uh, respective tours, collegiately, at least... uh, here on this beautiful Monday, so we probably need to dive right in because uh, the the hourglass is certainly uh, moving on us quickly, and there's a lot to talk about. Absolutely, my friend. But before we get into it, as always, we've got to show some love to our primary sponsor in our favorite sports bar, and of course, that is Chalk Sports Bar. Now, Ben and the guys, they've been getting busy out on Twitter. Uh, JTL, they very, have very busy. tweeted out the, uh, the the signage, the logo, if you will, that is promoting our our current giveaway, the contest right now, right? Eat more chalk, play more golf. I, I was tickled to see that. Obviously, we got a sneak preview of it and thought the the uh, the graphics department there at Chalk and uh, the guys and gals behind that did a great job on that, and we're super excited to see it out there. But I, I'm going to tee you up. Tell our listeners again. I know they know about it by now, but we've we just got to reiterate it. We got to hammer it out there because we got one month well, to go. We are, one month. Yeah, we are gaining listeners by the week. And so there's a chance that uh, we have some folks that have not heard about the fantastic uh, promo, if you will, that uh, we are partnering with Chalk on. And for that matter, it's just now getting back to golf weather. So oh, folks may so actually be able to take us up on the promo. But it's very simple, folks. From now until the end of the month, March 31st, you're going to go out, you're going to play around to golf. 18 holes, nine holes, um, you know, if, you, if you're just getting into it, you hit a bucket of balls, whatever it takes to prove that you've uh, gotten out and enjoyed the weather. You take that scorecard to chalk, and we're going to get you half off of your sandwich or burger just for bringing in your scorecard. If you'd be so kind as to write YSO, you're still out, Sports Pros Network, some indication that you are a fan of the program, we're going to put you into a drawing for Masters Sunday giveaway where one lucky winner and three of their golf sicko friends will have the best seat in the house for Masters Sunday and uh ching $200 in chalk credit that will uh, will fuel your uh, very subdued patronly Augusta hush tones uh, excitement for the Masters. So get out, play some golf. Now is the time. The calendar's turned to March. It is no excuses. No now, excuses. People. No excuses. I get agree. out there, play some golf, take your scorecard in. We're going to hook you up. Eat more chalk, play more golf is the name of this game. Can't wait to see uh, who, who gets to have the special spot on Master Sunday. I'm looking forward to it, my friend. And so, again, you can follow the guys at Chalk, Chad, Ben, and their entire team on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at chalkokc. But more importantly, get out there and check the guys out, right? Go out and see them, say hello. You might see Jonathan Till and I out there. So it just depends on what day you're going to be there. 1324 West Memorial Road there in Chisholm Creek uh, Plaza. Always the favorite, that is Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. Well, Jay Till, we've, we've got a big tournament to recap here, my friend. And, and, of course, I'm talking about the WGC Workday Recap. Uh, we've got to get right into it. This, again, uh, was was fun to watch this weekend, wasn't it? So we're, we're down in the 
the concession, right? He, so we made made much about that last okay. week. But uh, Colin Morikawa, California guy, goes down to Florida and wins this thing and does so in impressive fashion, right? Very impressive. He is establishing himself as uh, very quickly the uh, the cream of the crop when it comes to the um, young PGA Tour star. Uh, we all know that. He already has bagged his first major championship in dramatic fashion out at uh, in San Francisco, TPC Harding Park. Uh, he becomes, I believe, only the second player to bag a WGC along with a major championship uh, before the age of 25. The other one uh, I think you've heard of, his name is Tiger Woods. So pretty, pretty elite company. Um in typical fashion of how Colin Morikawa gets it done, it was absolute precision off the tee into the green where he uh, tends to have the hiccups is on and around the greens, and that was not the case this week. He rolled it beautifully. I, if I uh, was paying attention, I believe he has a, got a new putting grip. That's right. Yeah, that he, the uh, saw, I think, out. is what they're calling that, right? Yeah. So I think that uh, it's pretty – Pretty common knowledge or pretty, uh, I guess, common uh, belief that uh, if he gets the putter rolling, look out. He's going to be a world beater. And he gets it done, again, in impressive fashion. Finishes uh, 18 under par, three clear of the rest of the field. As we've talked about on the pod before, a three-shot victory in golf is not just a three-point victory, uh, as it would look like in other sports. That is quite... Uh, quite the domination, and uh, with some big-time golfers nipping at his heels, our man, Dick Hovland, Brooks Kepka, Billy Ho, all at 15 under par, sharing second place, uh, and it really was, really was a lot of fun to ride, uh, a lot of fun to watch, uh, really all weekend, and uh, I think the concession certainly showed out. Yeah, absolutely. It uh, it played really well, and it really kind of highlighted or maybe accentuated uh, the the playing form of the individual players. JT, and that's one of the things I was going to ask you about. You know, you take a look at you know the disparity from the top of the leaderboard to the bottom, and and I know there wasn't a cut in this event, right? WGC right. event, only seventy six golfers, seventy four golfers, whatever it was that were invited into the tournament. But you see a guy like Morikawa shoot 18 under and then you go down to the bottom and there's a bunch of guys you know shooting 14 under 50 or 14 over excuse me 15 over I mean the course could be had if you were playing really really well and as you mentioned being precise but man you could get into some big numbers and we even saw that with our guy Vic Hoffman right so he was you know having a great round got into jail got into trouble there and then you know we saw a lot of roller coasters out there I guess talk to us about that what what is it about the concession that kind of lends itself to that type of play yeah, well, very, very penal uh, style of architecture. <laughs> no penal, uh, very funny. Uh, from from our man Jack, uh, excuse me, Mister Nicholas, uh, at this uh, this course, where yes, if you were precise, uh, primarily with your approach shots, uh, there are a lot of ways to get at the pin, get it close, so that you could uh, have easier putts on these slick Bermuda grainy greens. But if you were not far off, it brought, uh, unlike most PGA Tour venues, which, yeah, you, uh, you're probably going to be able to, to get away with a bogey if you're putting yourself in a tough spot, uh, double, and as our man Vic Hovland found out, even a quadruple bogey comes into play. And so I, I just think it has to do with the design of the golf course, 
and really separates not only the field. You you just talked about it with you know eighteen under winning, fifteen over, or something like that being a dead last. Yeah, you know, that's a big separation. But even when you look at guys' individual rounds, whether it be uh, Cam Smith, you know, having three rounds in the 60s and throwing in a 77 in the middle. Or you have uh, the big golfer, 77-64 in his first two rounds. Huge disparity. Yeah, 13 shot swing in one day. Um, so that is really, I guess, what I saw this course bring to the table was the ability to have that big separation in scores. And if you were off, you're going to make a big number. Um, if you were on, birdies were out there. And birdies in bunches. You're right. Hovland, man, has literally has the one bad hole. Other than that, he was making a ton of birdies. Uh, he is in fine, fine form. A lot of great up and downs. Uh, just, got, just got bit. Uh, I believe that was on Friday where he took a quadruple bogey on the ninth hole, his last hole of the day. So when you can shoot a 69 with a quadruple bogey, you know you're playing some golf. And he followed that up with great play over the weekend to um, to get there for that T-second. But I know we always say this probably about our rounds, you know, if only. But if only he makes a par or even a bogey on that, yeah, uh, the on that quad, uh, he is right there uh, winning the golf tournament. So – Kudos to him. He seemed to have a great attitude about it. I think that's what a lot of people are starting to understand about Hovland. He's just a, kind of a fun-loving guy um, and really lets things roll off his back and a little bit goofy on top of that, which I yeah. think a lot of people like. Yeah, his post-ranch uh, interview there, I think we said it was a, something along the lines of a self, self-defense mechanism, right, to kind of laugh and, and have, a, right. have a laugh at himself after finishing uh, uh, with a quad there on the last hole. It was definitely painful for most of us, but uh, he played it off and came back and, as you mentioned, played really, really well over the weekend and one of the favorites heading into the uh, uh, Bay Hill uh, this weekend. We'll talk, we'll talk about that later in the pod. don't want to jump the gun here, but, you know, I always seem to find myself giving you some dap giving you some credit uh, week in and week out on this podcast, J. Till, and, and this week will be no different. Uh, Brooks Kepka, uh, one of your picks uh, coming into the weekend to to win the tournament. I know you had him, I think, as your fairway finder of the week with our guys Scooter Gers and Chad Ford on the Dirty Birdies as well. Doesn't win, but finishes in a tie for second. He's starting to round back into form, isn't he, J. Till? Absolutely rounding into form. Uh, as I said on last week's podcast, for Brooks to have those uh, not great odds coming off a win a couple weeks ago, I guess now three weeks ago, twenty-seven Phoenix. to one or something's what he was coming into this. Yeah, you know, it's just uh, something a guy like Brooks who doesn't need much to get a chip on his shoulder, uh, something like that certainly got him fired up, and he performed um, at, at a very high level, uh, 67, 66, I believe, to kind of start the proceedings over the first couple of days, put himself in position. Uh, had a you know, really was right there. Uh, even on Sunday, I think he had a putt for eagle that would have got him within one on 17. Gassed it a bit, uh, missed the comeback, or didn't even make a birdie. But uh, I'd go back uh, three or four holes before that where he was in a fairway bunker off of number 14, I believe, and absolutely dialed one into about six feet, just a shot that probably five or six guys in the whole world can pull off, and he's one of them. So he is definitely rounding into form. Just looking like the killer that he has been for many, many years. And, uh, yes, proud to say he was the top of my lineup on the Dirty Birdies. He was my pick to win. And, yeah, pick to win, finishing T2. We'll take it. We'll take it. It's hard to pick winners out there on the tour. 
and I'm happy to happy to see it. He's a guy that I used to not really root for. Once he started dominating, I found myself liking the guy. And now that uh, people are kind of kind of knocking him a little bit, I think I'm on Team Kepka for the foreseeable future. Yeah, absolutely. And um, a guy that you know, again, we think about the injuries that he's had uh, over the last year and a half or whatever. You know, came back and uh, played in Houston, I think, right before the Masters back yeah, in November, well. and played pretty well there. Seems to be rounding back into form. So yeah, rooting for him uh, to get back on track and and uh, be competing for major championships again. And we're not that far away, ladies and gentlemen, from the first major championship of the year. We'll bring it back to a local tie here, Jay Till. I, I've got to ask you about our guy, Matty Wolf. Right, just a, a meteoric rise throughout the summer, last summer after golf kind of started back after COVID. Um, you know, super excited to see him playing so well to be such a young guy. Goes out, shoots an 83 on the opening round on Thursday. Obviously, there wasn't a cut in this WGC event, but he withdrew. Uh, seems to be searching for some things right now, man. What What is going on with our guy, Matty Wolf? I think I would just classify this under the uh... – Golf is hard and nothing more. I don't think there's anything that, uh, you know, to be concerned about or to think he's not going to be able to get things back to where he is one of the uh, the top, you know, 20, 20 players in the world. He's got too much talent. Uh, the game is built around distance. He has all of that and more. And uh, I just think, you know, he's 21 years old. Uh, golf is a lonely sport. Generally speaking, I would think, uh, in fact, the uh, I listened to the No Laying Up podcast uh, and their recap uh, this morning when I was working out. They brought up a great point that um, during COVID, uh, golf becomes even lonelier because uh, what do you do? You, know, you just go back, you can't talk to anybody, you can't go out with anybody, you can't do anything. So I think that was a, a good thing to bring out, that he might just be a little out of sorts right now. But uh, he's the type of guy that, the next time he pops up in the top five, it should not be a surprise just because he's had a few rough weeks. Uh, doesn't appear to be any injury issues. Um, so nothing that's seemingly on the surface there. So I, I expect him to keep going. Um, I, don't, I don't anticipate it being a long-term thing. Yeah, and we've seen some of these young guys kind of go through this process, right? So we talked about Jordan Spieth, you know, kind of you know having so much success at a relatively young age, and then kind of maybe losing the swing a little bit. And obviously, we hope that Matty Wolf's you know situation isn't quite as prolonged as maybe what Spieth's has been, but uh, seems yeah, to be I mean, a common occurrence. It comes and goes, right? Yeah, it is. It it's hard. Out, yeah, it's just, golf is hard. That's just it's go a difficult back to game. That. It's, it's a difficult game, and even at the highest level, when you got to talk about the, the the best of the best of the best out there. It does not take much, and again, this particular golf. And I know he's had a hit a rough several several weeks, but this particular golf course, I can't imagine uh, that he wanted to be there because if your game is in bad shape, this yeah, is not true. the place you want to play. And so, uh, kind of curious that he showed up anyway. If anything, maybe you can bag on that for his, uh, you know, decision to play. But then again, you know. He's not like any different than uh, uh, the rest of us. You know, you have a bad round, you think the next round is going to be the one that turns it around. So I think that Matty Wolf's in, in, in just fine shape. He'll get uh, things figured out with his man, George Gankus. He'll get a, a couple uh, couple sessions, and he'll be he'll be back making top fives you know, before the summer solstice. Put, put me down. Put me down for a Matty Wolf top five before summer. I like that. Buying stock. We're, we're long on Matty Wolf. So yeah, I, I low, I like, baby. I like it. I like it. Well, staying in Florida, Jay Till, 
and in and around the Orlando area, let's talk about the ladies. The game bridge uh, that took place this weekend as well. The ladies, LPGA, they were back in full action. And Nellie Corda, uh, a familiar name, a familiar face on the LPGA Tour, she ends up on top of the leaderboard, 16 under. You know, kind of goes out in, on Sunday and, and gets three birdies in the first six holes and kind of goes on cruise control from that point forward. But that was good enough to hold off Lexi Thompson, Lydia Coe, uh, and a few others, a few uh, strokes behind. But uh, talk about Nellie Corda, big win for her, right? Well, you know me. If we had been up to me, we'd have, we'd have let off the uh, the coverage here with uh, with the ladies because while it was very difficult to actually get to watch any of the ladies' tournament because it was yeah, a, tape all delay, on yeah. tape delay and you couldn't get it anywhere, I was had the uh, the leaderboard pulled up uh, for most of the day on Sunday and getting to follow that. And yeah, she uh, asserted herself early. Uh, three birdies in the first nine goes out in 33 and just kind of at that point didn't need to do much, uh, kind of parred her way in from the seventh hole. And uh, we had put her kind of on watch and, you know, it's kind of time for her to break through again. If I heard right, uh, maybe messing this up, but this is her first win actually on American soil, which I'm not sure what that really even means other than. It means, means within the United States. Uh, literally, literally. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I understand that. But it was a metaphorical sure question. That, uh, gotcha. gotcha. Necessarily all that important. But nonetheless, uh, maybe the, the, the brightest lights are on her. She hadn't come through and gotten wins. We know how difficult it is to win on any of these PGA, LPGA tours. But she has a great golf swing. Uh, it's a lot of fun to watch, kind of on repeat, uh, just to see her have this very rhythmic, great swing. And she held off. Yeah, she mentioned it. A lot, of, a lot of great names. Uh, Lexi Thompson finishes in a tie for second with Lydia Ko. Lydia Ko has definitely had a huge resurgence, you know, after she yeah, got to number one. You talk one about young world. golfers, yeah, yeah. She got to number one in the world by uh, 17 years old, had bagged a couple majors, and then subsequently definitely lost her swing. Huge resurgence from her. She is now up, uh, I want to say, top five in the world. Again, uh, fourth year, fourth, uh, our producers are telling me. Thank you very much. Uh, but then my, my gal, uh, Jin Young Ko, uh, has a terrible week, terrible week, and just was uh, could not get anything done. She finishes fourth, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, an off week. <laughs> off week to finish fourth at 11 under, uh, bags 100K. So we uh, had a great week from her. She uh, kind of gotten stuck in neutral, up and down, right? 68 uh, start, 66 on moving day, but that sandwiched uh, with a 72 and a 71. And then biggest story of the week, anyway, is something – that uh, was, I don't know if you want to call it heartwarming, but something that's kind of cool. Anytime somebody who is a little bit of a, a has-been or an older name makes a resurgence, it is always fun to talk about. And I know that uh, you shot me a couple texts over the weekend talking about Annika yeah. making the cut. Very cool. What did you Very think cool. about seeing her back out on the uh, on the LPGA yeah. scene? Yeah, and I'll, I'll miss the stat up, but I want to say it was her first competitive tournament since either 08 or 09. It had been years. A, yeah, it had been a minute. So it, great to see her make the cut. Again, rough rough start, right? Comes out and shoots a 75 on, th- on Thursday, but uh, follows it up with a 71 and it was able to make the cut uh, on the number, I believe, and then had a tough weekend. But, you know, just being able to come back and make the cut and, and I think maybe serving as a, you know, kind of a, a unofficial ambassador or something for this particular tournament as well. But yeah, well, great, she lives great there. to see her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She lives at Lake Nona. Very cool. Like literal home game. She was, you know, chatting with her family uh, off the, her house is off one of the fairways, which is kind of cool. 
No, absolutely great to see her back up there uh, in involved in competitive golf, and uh, um, again, kind of thinks back, harkens back to you know Tiger, right? So we're, we're, we think about the dominance that she had during a certain period of time, and and obviously we'll talk about Tiger a little bit later on in the pod in the grab bag and give an update on his health and situation. But you know, kind of a, a little bit of a nostalgia, right, to bring her back and say, hey, look, we you know we kind of missed you. It's, it's good to see you back out there. Familiar face, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, familiar face. It was cool to see, and then it would be remiss if I didn't transition to another Swede, and that being Madeline Sagstrom. We've talked about her quite a bit on this pod, and kind of kind of glossed over it, if you will, last week. But she had a quite of a, kind of outpouring of support from something that she uh, let people in on, which was uh, yeah. I saw you retweeted s- it. I think yeah, sexual yeah. Uh, abuse early in her childhood that really affected her for several years, and she. I came public with that and had an outpouring of support, as you might expect, but just a a treat of a young lady, and she actually was kind of cool this week. She was playing in the same group as Annika, which I'm sure her being an uh, up-and-coming Swedish golfer, Annika was one of her, if not her only, idol. She actually holed out from the bunker for Eagle on her last hole on Friday to make the cut on the number and get to play, uh, actually, I believe, another round on Saturday with Annika. So very cool stuff from Madeline Sackstrom. We talked a lot about Winter Park 9 over the last couple weeks on the pod uh, for my great trip out there. Madeline is a resident of Orlando and has played Winter Park 9 in a kind of a no-laying-up video that's cool to watch. And so just kind of a cool golfer to to get behind. Uh, Great golf swing. Great attitude, and then uh, on top of that, uh, kind of over having overcome what she has. Uh, cool to see. So always fun to watch the ladies. Again, it's frustrating that we can't watch more of it. Like, and you know, for somebody like me who is really wanting to watch the LPGA Tour to have to jump through hoops, or in some cases like this weekend, you literally could not watch it. I mean, it's tough. But uh, from what we're hearing. Sounds like they're going to have more coverage than they've ever had in the 2021 season. So stick with it, folks. If you see that come across your radar, jump in. You will be better for it if you are a golf lover. Uh, it's fun to watch the ladies get after it. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And now, and speaking of the ladies, right, we talked a lot about ladies college golf last week. JTL, we, we released our pod with uh, Oklahoma State uh, head coach of the Cowgirl Golf Program, uh, Coach Greg Robertson, last man, over the weekend. He was, yeah, man. that was great stuff. I know we got a lot of retweets and a lot of comments about that, and we're, we're super well, appreciative yeah, of that. So. women's golf fans coming out on Twitter and getting um, the retweets yeah. done. I mean, that's the first one that we've got a lot of you know, passionate fan base there. Engagement. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, yeah. I was very happy to see that, and that just goes to show you the, what would you say, like the passion, enthusiasm that college golf fans have, and certainly a lot of parents you know, yep, stay into that's it, true. but uh, you know, they don't get as much coverage as they should, and so, uh, yeah, I was happy to see it. Yep, absolutely, so enjoyed that, but let's go back to to the men's side of the college golf game this week, J. Teal. Got a big tournament locally going on uh, down in San Antonio, right? The the Cabo Collegiate, which obviously, you, you know, that, that's a rescheduling uh, situation as, as we've become accustomed to here over the last 12 months due to COVID, but both OU and Oklahoma State squaring off along with several other Big 12 schools as well. You got Baylor, you got Texas, uh, you got Texas A&M. I know they're SEC 
Tennessee now, Arkansas, a lot of uh, regional schools and local schools uh, teeing it up down in San Antonio. And the Oklahoma Sooners got off to a pretty hot start uh, this uh, on day one. Right? We're recording this here on Monday, March 1st, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, OU, uh, top of the leaderboard uh, after day one and, and up by 10 strokes, right? So they, they finished as a team one under A&M uh, in second right now at plus nine. Texas, Florida State, and Oklahoma State right behind them at plus 10 and plus 11, respectively. But uh, OU, I mean, several guys there in the top five. You got uh, Patrick Welch. Uh, Logan McAllister and Jonathan Brightwell all at even par or better. Uh, but, uh, yeah, hot start for the Sooners, right? Hot start for the Sooners. As you mentioned, several OU guys that uh, played well individually. And uh, I need you to kind of help me stay on track with this. That's uh, a challenge. <laughs> Generally speaking, it is. But I think the, I think you can, you can help me out with this. Even I, as a very uh, golf sicko, as I affectionately refer to myself as, it's only been in recent years that I've kind of understood how the college golf format is put together. So for our listeners' benefit, I want to try to, each time we talk about college golf and there's a tournament going on, give, give us a, a quick refresher on how it works. So every team takes five individual players for their particular squad on any given tournament. So OU, OSU are going to take five golfers to participate. They can additional individuals can come along and play depending on what the tournament. We actually talked about uh, that in our pod with Coach Robertson. How one of the gals that didn't even make the squad for that particular week, yeah, one, yeah, yeah, Arena Tadamatsu, yeah. But when we talk about in this instance after the first round, OU being at minus one as a team, that would be the collective scores of the five guys that they took down to San Antonio to play. So spot on. 287 was their group score, one under par. OSU at plus 11, uh, 299 collectively for their five guys. And so, again, um, you and I are starting to get to where we kind of live, breathe, speak this stuff. Uh, Wanted to kind of reframe that for the listeners that aren't as familiar. And, yeah, going down the list, Patrick Welch leads after the first round. Loka McAllister, Jonathan Brightwell, both at even, top five. Probably, again, only disappointment of the day is our man Q. Big Q uh, shoots a 78, had to birdie his last hole to get in at plus six. Would expect to bounce back from him uh, tomorrow in the second round. Uh, but, you know, it, uh, golf tournaments certainly aren't won on the first day, but you can certainly lose them on the first day. Uh, looking at you, Stanford, at plus 36 after the first round. 16 teams in this tournament down at the TPC San Antonio, which is kind of cool. A good field, too. Good field teams. TPC San Antonio will host the Valero Texas Open a little bit later in the year. So a, a PGA Tour quality venue that these guys are uh, are battling it out. And uh, we will um, you know, we'll try to obviously do a bunch of tweeting over the next couple of days yes. to keep you apprised. Yes, but if definitely. You, if you're interested, you can always go to golfstat.com, and they'll keep you up to date with all things college golf, amateur golf. Uh, but we will be hoping that between OU and OSU, we kind of maintain that position. And certainly at the top, our man P. Welch getting it done with a 69, only one of four players under par. So it must have been playing Playing a little tough down at TPC San Antonio. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned our guy Q, uh, 
Wade Cummins from Oklahoma. Oh, big uh, tough, news. tough day, but uh, also uh, big news. Yeah, might might have been distracted. So we'll cut him some slack here. But Walker Cup selections uh, were officially confirmed uh, today, J Till, and I know you're super excited about this. Hey, we're we, celebrating. That's right. Woo! That's right. The Big Twelve well represented, uh, but uh, the state of Oklahoma well represented as well, right? So Quade Cummins makes the cut, uh, as does uh, Oklahoma State's own Austin Ekro, which uh, again maybe not not a total surprise, but you know you're always sweating it until the final announcements came out. But I know you wanted to talk a lot about this, bud, so I'll tee you up here. But the, the 10 guys uh, that will be competing uh, in the 2021 Walker Cup officially confirmed today, and that will be down at, uh, I think, Seminole, right? Seminole so uh, later this summer. Yeah, yeah so again, uh, trying to do a good job of this. I know that we have some very, very dedicated listeners that never miss a podcast. But again, that's not everybody. And so several uh, weeks ago now, we had Coach Ryan Hibble on from OU. We had Coach Alan Bratton on from Oklahoma State. Ask both of them about the Walker Cup uh, because the Walker Cup is the amateur version of the Ryder Cup where we have a United States team, a European team that square off in a uh, match play format. Uh, this will be held actually May 8th and 9th this year. Keith, you mentioned it, Seminole Golf Club, a very, very prestigious golf course, old school course down on the coast of Florida. And yeah, only 10 spots. And of those 10 spots, you mentioned it, Austin Eckrode, Oklahoma State, Quade Cummings, University Cummins, University of Oklahoma, two of the 10 from right here at our state schools, arguably could have had a third in Garrett Reband. I'm sure it was it tough. just missed the cut. Yeah. To, yeah. Uh, with so many great players to leave him out. Uh, so the Big 12 is well-repped on top of that with two guys from the University of Texas, Pearson Cootie, Cole Hammer, both, uh, I guess you would kind of say, at-large selections, so to speak. So 10 guys. They've actually picked three just straight off the rankings. There's there's world Yeah, talk, talk to us about that. What, what's the process of the Walker Cup? Because, again, we know there's going to be 10 guys, right? The total composition of the team is 10 guys, but you have some automatic, automatic bids, and then you have some selection processes, right? Right. So every year, I should say every two years, because this is a bi- biennial, biennial, biennial event, that uh, the top three from what is called the World Amateur Golf Rankings automatically get into uh, the field onto the team. Uh, those were Davis Thompson from the University of Georgia, Ricky Castillo from UCLA, I believe, and John Pock, I believe, Florida is the USC yeah. guy. I think he's Florida State Florida guy, State, right? Florida State, excuse yeah. me. Mm-hmm. I had the colors right. Uh, three highest Americans in the WAGR. And then on top of that, the reigning U.S. amateur champion, assuming he is not one of the top three in the world, uh, gets a bid. Tyler Strafasi from Georgia Tech. I'm sure you will all remember him from winning at Bandon Dunes and the story of his family's long, long illustrious history in the game of golf. So there's four spots, right? So that leaves six, as I mentioned. We talked about our Oklahoma boys. We talked about the Texas guys. The field will be rounded out by William Mao from Pepperdine, Pepperdine University. Yep. And then somebody who I am thrilled that I have already brought up on this podcast that I have a flat-out man crush on, no doubt about it, Stuart Stewie Hagestad. Stewie Hags, as I like to refer to him, makes the squad again. The senior member of the squad, right? I think Very it's a good way. Very senior <laughs> member. 
He is, uh, I want to say, a 36-year-old uh, Californian who uh, returns to the team from uh, 2019 group that defeated it's actually just great britain and ireland it's not even all of europe it's just like it used to be for the Ryder cup they haven't expanded to uh the uh, the full european continent if you will but he actually won the mid-am back in 2016 and that's the tournament basically at the the amateur for for over 25 year olds and so uh stewie haggs is a is a renaissance man he's a living the dream God, I can't wait to watch this deal. It's actually over Mother's Day weekend, which is tough. I'm not sure how we're going to pull that off. But uh, a lot of golf to be watched, and Stewie Hag should be at the top of your all-name team, if not at the top of your amateur personal golf ranking. I'm fired up about this one. The Walker Cup is super cool. It goes to courses that uh, the PGA Tour doesn't go to. Uh, some of you might remember Seminole. If you remember, right at the beginning of the pandemic when they started to do some kind of made-for-TV stuff, uh, I believe it was Wolf, Ricky Fowler, DJ, and Rory played in a made-for-TV deal, two-on-two, at Seminole. So if you want to go back and check that out to give you a little taste, I believe it was called the TaylorMade Driving Relief. That's what that event was called. It was at Seminole, a place we don't get to see much. We're going to get to see it again come May. And I am uh, I'm excited for this one, man. If it wasn't Mother's Day weekend, we might have been, you know, loading up on the old RV and making us quite a road trip, buddy. Right. That would have been a road trip. But, yeah, obviously rooting for the team, rooting for the local boys, right? Uh, Want to see Quaid and uh, Austin play well there and represent. Well, the nice thing about this mm. deal is we always just totally annihilate the GB&I team. It's not like the Ryder Cup. It's not competitive at all. We just go out and totally roll these don't, dudes. Don't jinx us now. We're uh, putting this out there on the this air, is, This bud, is such so. an airtight deal. You cannot jinx this squad. <laughs> I mean, these guys. I, I think the Americans are de- definitely going to be the favorite. I think that's fair. Fair I way mean, to put it. When you're it. leaving Garrett Rebrand on the bench, like you know, you're stacked because that guy is an absolute star. He's in like Agreed. the top five of the PGA Tour University rankings, which means that if he stays there, he can go like not straight to the PGA Tour, but a lot of starts. So when that guy is getting kicked off the squad, you know we're in good shape. Yeah, it's going to be a stacked team, that's for sure. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, again, you mentioned it the second week of May, whenever that comes around. So looking forward to that. Well, let's go to the YSO grab bag, JT. Kind of keeping things moving right. along here. Let's talk about the older guys, right? We talked about the younger guys here, uh, most of them younger, as Stewie uh, Hagestad, uh, aside there from Walker Cup. Let's talk about the Champions Tour. Kevin transition. Kevin Sutherland, my man. You're, so you're 15 under. Well, I, I had a lot of reps in now, bud. So uh, Kevin Sutherland wins the Cola Guard Classic. Talk, speaking about an, an old guy situation so the cola guard classic out in tucson yeah, arizona that's that, that, that something to do with a colon I, I think so yeah i don't I, google it man it's it's uh i don't, I, I don't think you want to sure so, yeah i don't think you want to uh but uh sutherland a big win for him now we talked about you know, Phil Mickelson having a chance to go for something, kind of a breaking a record here, right? So a, a debutante, if you will, on the Champions Tour, having the opportunity to win the first three may, uh, first three events that that uh, he entered into, fell short here, but Sutherland played really well, man. And again, 15 under, holds off Mike Weir, Steve Stricker, uh, Jeff Maggart, among other names that our listeners will probably well, recognize, but a big win for Sutherland. Yeah, that, that's Kevin Sutherland, not Keither, Keither Sutherland. True, that is uh, right. Yeah. Just to make sure that you didn't think there was kind of a crossover from an actor. Uh, I like that you keep the senior tour as one of our uh, kind of grab bag items. Not know, far from it. But. I know you're getting – I think that's your angle. Like, you're trying to keep them relevant. That way, when you get that age, you feel better about talking about your contemporaries. But, yeah, Lefty, he spent more time with his shoes off in the pond hitting shots out of the out of the mud than he did making many birdies. Fails to get three in a row. He uh, 
kind of a he's a mess. Just lefty's always a it's good good time to watch. Kevin Southern kind of came out of nowhere. Mike Weir, you kind of thought had this thing unlocked, played great all weekend. I uh, believe he went uh, 66-67 uh, Friday, Saturday, and then kind of slides to that 73, yeah, Sunday, 73. Sutherland an opening to slide in there and, and actually went by a couple shots kind of comfortably. But yeah, Cola Guard Classic out in, out in Tucson, so the weather's good out there. Um, and, you know, I think speaking of transitions, I mean, how's this for a transition? You know, we once wondered – is our man Big Cat going to tee it up on the senior tour? Now we're wondering, is our man Big Cat ever going to play golf whatsoever? Yeah, absolutely. Let's dive into it, Jay Teal. So obviously that news kind of broke after we recorded the pod last week. But, uh, you know, update on Tiger. You know, he was re- he was moved to a, I don't know, if you want to call it a normal hospital, if that's the right way. I think Cedar sinai there uh, to kind of recuperate from the surgeries that he had on both legs. Seems to be in good spirits. I know we, we have to talk about, you know, a lot of the golfers on Sunday at the uh, WGC Workday, all wearing the uh, a customary, you know, uh, tiger red with the black pants on Sunday. They're kind of paying homage uh, to the big cat and wishing him well there. I know he tweeted out about it or maybe Instagram or something kind of saying, hey, I appreciate it. Very touching uh, sentiment there as he was watching. But, you know, seems to be like he's he's over the hump now. He's going to be okay. Now, what does okay consist of, right, as we move forward? Yeah, and I, nobody knows. <clears throat> Pure speculation at this point other than alive and well from a um, you know co- cognizance perspective and being able to, uh, by all accounts, kind of make a recovery to you know, normal life or uh, normal as you and I uh, maybe know it. But uh, time will only tell if that's going to translate to Anything more than uh, you know, just being able to, to be around the house, be with the kids, or if that will at some point allow him to do uh, what I think is all we can hope for, uh, you know, being able to walk around places like Augusta National, being able to be at all the many uh, tournaments that are related to him and his legacy. Uh, so obviously we'll be monitoring the situation, but since we didn't get a chance to talk about it on last week's pod, wanted to at least address... And send our well wishes, which we all know he's listening to the YSO pod, Big the only of the pod, pod that he listens to. He uh, feels bad that he can't come out and endorse us publicly, but that would certainly lead uh, to all sorts of litigation from yeah, other business decisions. Yeah, that's understandable. Cat uh, is anything if not a businessman. But in all seriousness, glad he's alive because that would have been quite. The uh, kick right Crazy. in the uh, right in the cajones. talking about it on Monday after the, the Genesis Invitational the, the, the and the genies as my uh, six year old son <laughs> yeah. likes to call them. Uh, but yeah, cat's alive and well, and we will see. Uh, I think at this point, if he if he can somehow what, the Masters Champions Dinner is six weeks away, if he's able Roughly, to just yeah. get in there in a wheelchair, I think that would be uh, pretty impressive. So yeah. more to come on the big cat. Happy he's alive and happy that we have uh, some more. Uh, tiger bad dad jokes uh, coming our way at some point in the future. Yep, absolutely. And we've we've seen enough times now to know that you don't count out uh, Mr. Eldrick Woods. Uh, so so yeah, wouldn't wouldn't rule it out. And again, wishing him all the best. Uh, well, well, let's go to the Puerto Rico Open, J Till, which I know is a tournament that is somewhat near and dear to your heart, and, oh, and kind of a weird. You know, you talk Open. you talk about the curse of the PR Open. We've we've mentioned it on this podcast. Our man um, uh, Vic Hovland. Yeah, absolutely. Broke yeah, broke that curse. curse. That's right. That's right. But uh, Brandon Grace, 
uh, will be the man that uh, has to uh, to break the voodoo moving forward there. Uh, he wins the Puerto Rico Open at 19 under, one stroke over Jonathan Vegas uh, and Grayson Murray, Rafael Campos, a couple other guys there, three strokes behind. But I'd be lying if I said I watched a lot of the Puerto Rico Open, JT, because obviously most of my attention was focused on the WGC Workday. But Brandon Grace, South African golfer, a guy I've heard of, a guy that we've seen play out there on the tour. But uh, talk a little bit about this tournament and and maybe uh, what we can expect from Brandon, Brandon Grace moving forward. Well, you said that you'd be lying if you uh, said you watched much of this. I would be lying if I said I watched any of it, just to, so the listeners don't know, think we're a bunch of frauds. Uh, Brandon Grace is, if not a household name, a familiar name. He actually has made some hay, been on the first page of leaderboards and major championships before, in fact was pretty hot and heavy in the, I believe it was 2015 U.S. Open. I feel like I always see him in the Open Championship, too, as well. His name's kind of up there floating around. 2015 U.S. Open, he was right there with uh, Spieth and DJ coming down the back nine there at Chambers Bay. So, yeah, again, not a household name, but somebody, sometimes you get him, you know, Brendan Grace, Brendan Steele, uh, Brandon Stone, they all kind of seem the same. But he, uh, I, what I did catch is he seemed to be fairly emotional about uh, the win that he picked up. Uh, picks up 300 FedEx Cup points, which is a, a huge number to kind of Absolutely. put him in position to be in a lot of the late-season tournaments. And so uh, good good for him taking advantage of that opposite field. Uh, definitely a very weak, weak field in Puerto Rico. We're going to talk about another weak field uh, coming up this weekend. Yeah, unfortunately so. On the big stage. But Absolutely. Again, another uh, right there with Tiger, one and one aid, most uh, dedicated YSO listeners. So we wanted to make sure and give our uh, appreciation and congratulations to our man, Brandon Gray, South African charm, never fails. Well, JT, you and I, we kind of slipped out Friday afternoon, didn't we? Well, you know, it wasn't a full slip out. We yeah. just we had, a, I would call it a, a business lunch, maybe a donor appreciation true. lunch. There was business behind it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, we... Uh, we at least said a couple things about business. You, we had found out earlier in the week that you actually had never made uh, the trek up to Indoor 18, and in all this bad weather, you really couldn't because, as we understand it, they were absolutely booked up. But Indoor 18, for those not familiar or who didn't hear me talk about it a couple weeks ago when I took my lovely wife, Sarah, for a, a Saturday morning date. That's how lucky I am, guys. My date nights Your dates are date, nights. date mornings yeah. Yeah. are at the Sim, Indoor 18, played a little Sweetens Cove, had a little nice brunch afterwards. What a morning. God, I love you, babe. You're awesome. Indoor 18, Keith, what did you think? And for those who aren't familiar, I mean, we're talking about a golf simulation yep. experience. You're swinging your actual golf clubs, hitting actual golf balls into a screen, which it picks up every bit of your information in terms of ball flight, carry distance, those types of things, and you're actually navigating yourself around an actual golf course. In our case, I'll let you talk about what course we played, and certainly I'll let you talk about the results. I'm sure we'll get there. <laughs> but what do you think about it, man? Your, your first experience full on, it, it, specifically at Indoor 18, and I'm curious, had you had a simulation experience like that at all? Uh, I had hit into a simulator in the past. Uh, it's been several years ago now, but first time to Indoor 18 and enjoyed it, right? I had a good time with it. Obviously, the company that we keep uh, makes a big uh, uh, part of the enjoyment that goes along with that. Played with our guys, uh, Chad Ford and Scooter Gers. Uh, I'll tell you that we, we ended up selecting Trinity Forest. 
down in Dallas, right? We talked with Coach Robertson uh, last week uh, on the podcast about the uh, the OSU ladies playing down there. What two weeks ago? Three weeks ago? Now I'm starting to lose track of all the time and playing first of February, basically. Yeah, playing playing pretty well, and the fact that it's a it's a unique setup there and the fact that there's not a lot of trees in place and then unique in the sense that it's kind of on an old landfill or something I think is kind of the history of the particular piece of property but you know I enjoyed it I had a good time I think we we got in what, 14 holes I think in the two hours we didn't we didn't get through a full 18 but full pretty 18, close right. yeah. yeah pretty close on that uh the, the chipping side of it was a little challenging for me you know hitting it off the tee and then hitting your approach shots I felt were pretty you know, realistic. I think it was maybe shortchanging us a few yards off the tee, if, if I'm completely honest there. Or but we've been long changing ourselves in terms well, of how far we think we. I don't know. I got a, got a range finder, right? I'm going to trust the uh, the range guys out at uh, at Twin Hills that the uh, the so distance and the Keith markers there. The yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but uh, yeah, chipping was a little bit of a challenge there. I, to be honest with you, I'm not used to chipping from such clean lines. That's probably the, the oh, problem. Sure. Yeah. You know, hitting off the turf there, going into it. Uh, but really did enjoy it, and then we had it set on auto putt. So anything inside ten feet, I think it was an automatic. Me. So that certainly auto helped the score there. And yeah. Inside of twelve feet, auto one putt. So <laughs> yeah. that that was helpful. I that helped. That helped. But I think you ended up shooting what four over I think five. I was four over through yeah, fourteen holes. You you oh, won. Bad. There's no doubt about. it. I didn't finish in last, so I won't. I won't call out last not, place. We never yeah. would call out last place. Never. Not on this <laughs> podcast. Certainly not because the guy who finished last is paying the bills. But That's right. Nonetheless, I had a great time. Like I obviously had just went the one time with Sarah. I had a great time. That's a totally different experience. And going with three of your buddies, and uh, I I enjoyed it. I, I if it was closer to home, you know, we're we're downtown guys, kind That's of right. downtown yep. centric, and so getting the hike up north to, side, uh, however far that is away, it seems like Kansas uh, was a little bit tough. But other than that, really enjoyed it, and would uh, give some love to our man Stephen there at Indoor Eighteen. He's certainly pouring a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into making that thing work. Absolutely, uh, yep. Moni's next door. All sorts of free ads on this podcast. I uh, had a lovely lunch that we were yeah, able to good, bring good in. Italian food there. Right, kudos Thank to you. Food, Appreciate so. you picking that up too. So that was great. Uh, yeah, you're welcome, man. My pleasure. My pleasure. But I had a great time. I'm glad glad we made it happen. Well, we're we're 45 minutes into this pod, Jay Till, and I feel like we've probably buried the lead here. But our listeners, they're 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 clamoring, if not demanding, <laughs> results. <laughs> On the the, yeah. the Eskimo Open there, you, you played out at Hefner on Saturday. Again, kind of a unique format, right? You get to take a couple clubs based upon your handicap, right? And I know you're going to dive into the rules about it here again, but yours truly set a pretty good line If uh, on, on Twitter out there for our, our followers and our listeners Impressive. out there. You were right on the number, but talk to us about the, about that. It was a little cool, maybe a little, little windy out there Saturday morning, but you had a good time, right? Oh, no, I had a great time. The Eskimo Open is what Lake Hefner has deemed their, um, I guess we'd say, minimal club challenge tournament. Because, Very minimal. Because <laughs> uh, I call it minimal. The handy, your, your handicap would uh, designate how many clubs you got to use to get yourself around the 18 holes on Hefner South. And that was... Getting yourself around 18 holes, fully putting out, right? No, no gimmies. You put everything out, and if you were, I believe it was a five handicap or better, you only got to take one club to get it done. Uh, impressive to see some of the guys and the unique creativity that they brought to the table with just the one club. If you were, uh, I believe, it was a six to a ten handicap, you got to have two clubs that's actually where I fell in the proceedings was two clubs we'll talk about which two those were in a minute but then kind of on from there 
you know, 11 to 15, three clubs, 16 to 24 clubs, 21 and up, uh, five clubs. And the weather was a little bit tough. You expect nothing less out of the Eskimo Open, right? It's not called the uh, the Suntan Open or the uh, the Beach Bum Open. It was, it was tough conditions out Still there. Still February as of Saturday. Still yeah. February. And I just, just damn impressed with uh, a lot of these guys. I had the pleasure of playing alongside one of my uh, newfound golfing buddies, uh, Colin Dubois. Uh, he probably pronounced it Dubois, but we like to call him the Frenchman. Uh, impressive to see him get around in 88 strokes with only one club. I believe he took a six iron. Uh, probably the worst he could have shot, honestly. He uh, had a couple had a couple tough holes. But in our group that we uh, have called ourselves the Stewart National Society, some folks that have a affinity for James Stewart National over on uh, 10th and MLK, we had our man Jay Hop, who's been on the pod, uh, was a kind of guest host a week ago. He That's actually right. took home the the group winnings with an 82. He had a two hybrid and got around Hefner South in 82 strokes. Wow, that is impressive. At one point, was he, he's to, definitely a zero to five handicap. So he only got one club. Yeah, he's, he's a good to, player. Uh, hit uh, out of a greenside bunker with a two hybrid. Oh my if goodness! If you've ever tried that, which I haven't. Uh, I would anticipate that's pretty pretty difficult, but then uh, really had some good play. Uh, Brett Brett Al Brett Alcorn, excuse me. Uh, he actually not only was in second in our group with an eighty three. He actually tripled to the last hole to shoot eighty three. So he was basically going to break eighty with one club, which I believe he chose a seven iron and had a had a tough had a tough finish to be cushioned by. As you mentioned, we put out on Twitter people guessing my score. You set the line at ninety one and a half. Brett takes 91, and I shoot 91 on the number to win Brett a $25 gift card to Chalk. Congratulations, uh, I, Brett. Uh, yeah, that's great. I was able to get around in 91 strokes with a driver and a 5-iron, which was actually a much-questioned selection. There was a lot of debate leading up to it. That's a lot of debate, and uh, I got around in 91. But also got a shout-out, uh, our man Matt Nolan, Nolo, as we like to call him, uh, tough day for him. Had an eight iron, uh, finished in 89 strokes. And so uh, basically hop at 82, BA at 83, Colin at 88, and uh, Nolo there at 89. Again, all beat me, and they only had one club. So kudos to those guys uh, to uh, for, for playing in the tournament, uh, having the creativity and the wherewithal to get it done. And impressive day of golf. And I, as soon as we kind of gathered up, after we were done trading stories, having a couple beers and a, and a, and a, and a plate of food there at Hefner, uh, all we could talk about is when we get to do this again because it was so much fun. Just to test different parts of your not only golf game, but your your brain, your strategy. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. And, and yeah, my, my strategy was questioned, and I think I think it came through. Uh, that five iron was used a lot, and having that driver, that was, that was huge. Get, being able to get it down every fairway, uh, eat up a lot of the hole. I was uh, I was very very satisfied with my ninety one, even though my actual goal was to break ninety. Well, hey, a lot, so long as you had a good time, uh, that that's all that matters. And, and again, uh, an impressive performance. I think you said the final the winning score was like a seventy seven or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I right? got a so, shout yeah, out that's, a guy. That's believe, pretty impressive. I think his name's Mike Hearn. Shot a seventy six with one club. Wow! To take home the victory. I believe he was uh, six clear of next best. Hoppick actually finished second in the tournament. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, uh, well done, Hop. About that, second or third. Uh, I was a little foggy from the 
Well, I think we talked about last last year. I think eighty one or eighty was the winning score, right? So yeah, yeah any, actually, anything uh, sub eighty of, is pretty impressive. Uh, Colin and I played with last year's champ, uh, I believe Dylan Igo, uh, eighty one last year. Didn't quite get there this year. I think he shot eighty four again with one club. And then uh, our fourth playing companion, a youngster out of Bethany High School, seventeen year old. I don't know. If we, can we talk about seventeen year olds on a podcast? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Depends uh, on what you say, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I Connor, assume this is we're going to keep it G rated G. Yeah, totally rated G. Although he said he was a barstool fan, which definitely I had a lot of questions about. Yeah. Uh, neither here nor there. Uh, Connor, his last name escapes me. Uh, great kid though. It started with a C. Uh, we had we had a lot of good banter. We had we had a great time, even despite the uh, misty, windy, cold conditions. A lot of great shots. Not many clubs, but again, can't can't wait to do it again. Well, good stuff there. Good stuff. Glad you had a good time and look forward to doing it. I, I hope to be be a part of it next year. So I just, you know, scheduling conflicts and scheduling all this conflicts. other fun stuff. I mean, yeah, a, a podcast network, it's, it's a lot of work, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, um, just roll out of bed and have a sports it's, empire. It's true. You know? It's true. So, well, you know, talking of good weather, right? So a little, little bit of a, a transition, if you will. The weather here in Oklahoma City, at least for the next, what, 72 hours, J-Till, is going to be pretty darn good. I think it's going to be good over the weekend as well. I think we have some rain maybe Thursday evening, Friday, that uh, might put a damper on some things. But where are we teeing it up this week, bud? So what are we going to do? we got, we got, got Twin Hills. we got Lincoln Park. we we got all these other um, options uh, available to us, my options. friend. What are we going to do? A lot of great options. And, and before we move into that, I do need to backtrack because I don't want to – I do not want to shortchange Connor Compton. The name just came to me. Connor Compton. Bethany Broncos. Do it started with happen. an S, though. And I, I, I said C. Anywho, moving on to this week, we do have great weather. We have a, uh, a Sunday game coming up at Lincoln. We got we got three tee times. Going to be packed out there. We definitely, I'm itching to get back out uh, to your track, Twin Hills. Uh, that place I actually was, uh, what was I doing? Was I just driving by? I think I was just driving home from church on Sunday and looked over and the, the fairways are looking lush. It looks like all the tree damage is They've done up. a good job getting that taken looking care of. Yep. Great. So we are, we are geared up now that we're into March. I will have to say, uh, actually a couple plugs here. I wasn't going to talk about this, but this, this next two weeks, very busy for me at work. We're finishing up kind of fundraising. I guess every season's fundraising season for me, but uh, tomorrow is actually YMCA day of giving March 2nd. Uh, tomorrow, depending on when you listen to this, if you happen to not listen to this till Wednesday, you can still make a donation. Don't worry. We'll still take your money, but definitely got to plug that. So get through these next couple weeks of busyness and my goodness, we are going to play some golf this spring. You have anything on the calendar already for this week in terms of uh, getting out there and getting it done? I'm probably going to slip out tomorrow afternoon to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. So on Tuesday afternoon, probably Wednesday afternoon as well. I say that and then, you know, other work kind of always ends up getting in the way, but I will be out there at some point tomorrow afternoon. Yes, absolutely. I get after it. I had, I had a great, uh, actually I actually had a lunch date th- today at the, uh, at the driving range with my lovely wife, Sarah, the aforementioned, she uh, continues to live up. She's kind of getting into the golf you know, thing, right? So uh, yeah, got totally awesome. going off script. But uh, I, we will save the overall look back at our goals because we're getting close to be done with Q1. I will say, I've already knocked out a couple of them, and I, I gotta, I gotta give you some flack. Have you got your clubs regripped? I have not. No. Got to get the clubs regripped. Yeah, it's fair. That was your equipment it goal. Was. You know, the listeners would take me to task if I didn't hold you to account on knocking that out. So you're going to be out at Twin twice. They can knock that out in 24 hours. I'll make it happen. I'll make it happen. But, yeah, great weather and kind of leads into a great golf tournament typically 
down at Bay Hill, the Arnie Palmer Invitational. I'm going to let you start swinging punches at the field this week because uh, it's lacking, and I think it's a it's a it's an affront, it's a slight at Mr. Palmer uh, to have this kind of weak field. So I'm going to let you start kind of beating people up on why they're not playing in this tournament. Uh, I, I was just very, very shocked to see what a weak field we have at the Arnie Palmer. Uh, for those of you not familiar, Bay Hill Club and Lodge is the name of the golf course that they play this every year in Orlando. Uh, Tiger made it one of his personal playgrounds uh, you know, pretty much from the time he rolled out on tour. It seemed like he won it every year there through, from him, uh, Through like 2013 was one of the places that he won and hit one of his many comebacks as it's becoming. But... Yeah, I was disappointed to see the field. I know you wanted to, to sling some punches at it. You know, Lord Tyrell, the defending champ, absolute uh, domination last year, even though he, I think he threw a club into the water, which is always fun. He's been known but, to be an angry uh, golfer. Yeah. Tell us about the field and uh, or lack thereof, if you will. Yeah, I mean, a little disappointing, right? So you, you think about, again, one of the – if you think about a Mount Rushmore of golf, JTL, I think we would all agree that Arnold Palmer would be one of the four faces up there on Absolutely. that Mount Rushmore. But, you know, you look at the number of golfers in the top 50, and, and there's not that many, right? So you, you mentioned Tyrell Hatton, right, the defending champion. He's actually the highest-ranked golfer from the current world golf rankings in this at number five, and I'm not, not going to poo-poo number five there, uh, but Roy McElroy at number eight and Bryson DeChambeau at number 10, the only three guys in the top 10 uh, that are actually in the field this week. And so, you know, maybe we try to put a positive spin on things. We look at it from a silver lining that there's going to be an opportunity for some other guys to perhaps win a what we would consider to be a pretty prestigious event uh, coming up this weekend down at Bay Hill. But, uh, yeah, somewhat disappointed at the number of guys uh, in the top 50 that will not be present uh, this weekend uh, for the Arnie Palmer Invitational, especially you know given the fact that, um, again, a, a guy that just goes on Mount Rushmore, right, from a golf standpoint. Well, yeah, three of the top 10, only nine of the top 20. Doesn't get much better from there, but at a course that is recognizable to most. Absolutely, even, yeah. Even casual golf fans, and mostly because Tiger would play there every year. Tiger played so well there, you kind of visualize a lot of the shots that he hit, certainly the 18th hole where he made uh, multiple putts to close out golf tournaments. Uh, an interesting hole, the sixth hole at Bay Hill, which is a kind of a boomerang-shaped par five. There's been some talk about with the right wind, is Bryson going to try to take it straight over the pond, the lake, and actually drive the green on a par five. So although the field is weak, maybe a little something to look forward to each time uh, the big golfer steps up to 6T during each of his, what we hope are four rounds, he would have flamed out. We'll see. Missed the cut, uh, <laughs> right, depends on how that, that whole goals, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is a little bit disappointing. Nevertheless, it'll be good good golf. I will say with the, uh, the LPGA, going to be in action again this weekend. Again, no disrespect to Mr. Palmer, but with the weak field, if you're looking for a little bit more juice, maybe you wander over and check out the LPGA this weekend. They're actually going to play, I believe, in Florida as well. This yeah, that's right. Florida swing uh, with the ladies as well as the men. They're playing Ocala, Florida. Yeah. Drive-on championship in Ocala. Uh, interesting situation where the quote-unquote defending champ of this tournament is Daniel Kang who won this tournament last year in Ohio. 
So tough to call her the defending champ when the golf course is moving significantly. But a actual strong field at the drive-on championship, Danielle Kang, the Mud Hen, will be in the field. So again, if you have some wandering eyes this weekend, that might be a place to put them. And we are going to get to our picks. You know, last tourney before the players, right? So That's maybe right. one time to take a kind right. of a last gas before we go supercharging into golf season. We know we're going to have some stuff coming up at Chalk for Players Week. You know, if Big J and the PGA Tour are going to call it a major and talk so much about it, we've got to get on board. Who are we to, to, to not support that? But um, I will say... I think we'll have announcements about that related to us and Chalk next week on the pod, I believe, right, JT? Let's just say you're going to want to be playing some golf on players. Yes, 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 you will. So, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm excited about Bay Hill because of the lack of field, but that being said, I will certainly be tuned in. Well, hey, we've talked about a lot of the guys that won't be in the field this weekend, but let's talk about the guys who are going to be there, Jay Till, and let's get into our picks, my friend. So, again, I will have to defer to you. It's your we're box, gonna right? About, so, we're going to talk about this week's picks, or should we, should we spend any time talking about last week's picks? Oh, last week's picks were okay, I guess. Okay, so. okay. Winner, Brooks Kepka. He finishes second. Time for second. Right? Abe Answer, the dark horse, finishes top 15. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Willie Zalatoris was my top halfer. He was 22nd. My only disappointment was a man who clearly is out of sorts. I mean, he doesn't know what to do with himself being well-rested. He finishes 28th, Mr. Sungjae M. Uh, you know, we, we can talk through your picks. Um, not yeah. a lot to speak of. P. Reed. You know, Patrick played, Reed played wasn't bad. Well. I had him as a top tenner, and I think he did finish in the top tenner right there. At Jason Day wasn't a bad pick at fifty to one as my top halfer. Right there wasn't a cut maker uh, last week, but he played pretty well. Uh, John Rahm, my winner, not so hot. He he came out of the gate strong on Thursday, right? Shot a sixty eight, uh, and then kind of you know pissed that away on Friday with a seventy six, I believe. And so he was kind of uh, up and down uh, from that point forward. So we had a good Thursday and a good Sunday, I believe. Uh, but Friday, I, Saturday, I will so say, good. I can tell you, I bring it upon myself. Anytime I have a bad week, I just get just. You guys probably don't see it out there, but I get absolutely destroyed anytime I have a bad week making picks by some folks that will go unnamed, similar to the person that went unnamed earlier, kind of one and the same. Nonetheless, when things are going well, you got to shout it out. Now, one thing I've been accused of is picking the same guys too much. And so this week, I am going to show that it's not a one-trick pony. It's not even a four-trick pony or right. one-trick four ponies, depending on how you look at it. This week's picks, we're going a little bit off the board for the most part. But as always, as the host, I'd like to defer to you. Lead us off with your dark horse. Remind the listeners what qualifies as a dark horse and then throw yours at us for the uh, the API. You're so gracious, so gracious, my well, friend. Well, yeah, so. you're, uh, you're, you've hosted me for all these many weeks at your, <laughs> at your home slash podcast studio. It's the least I can do. Well, I will take honors in my Dark Horse, again, and for our listeners out there, just a reminder, Dark Horse picks are 100 or one, a 100 to 1 or greater odds to win the tournament, okay? So I'm going to go with the Englishman, Ian Poulter. He's right on the number at plus 10,000, 100 to 1, uh, whichever you want to kind of call it that. But uh, I think Poulter's just a guy who's scrappy. And I think that he may view this somewhat depleted field as an opportunity to win a, again, what we consider to be a rather prestigious tournament. So I like Ian Poulter there at 100-1. to I think you're getting some good value on him. He's going to make the cut for sure and be around on the weekend. But at 100-1, to I like that value, bud. Well, you should be spot on there. Ian Poulter is somebody who, although he's taken flack over the years, whether it be for Ryder Cup shenanigans or the way he dresses, 
is actually a fairly class act and certainly would Agreed. not miss Mr. Palmer's event. Why he's in the field, I would expect him to play well despite his long odds. I'm going with our man Seabass. Sebastian Munoz. Not Munez, as some folks who have contributed this pod in the past. Man, you are just throwing him. throwing him out there. <laughs> throwing him under the bus. And, and I shouldn't because uh, those guys are just great guys, the best guys. But nonetheless, Sebastian Munoz, I am going to take a page out of their playbook. Sebastian has uh, has been up and down this particular season, but absolutely has been playing stellar golf for about the past 18 months, and it's been overlooked. He was 22nd, tied with our man, excuse me, Will Zalatoris, last week. Uh, not a great genesis, but out in Phoenix uh, was looking pretty good with a missed cut. Right, so where I'm going here is I got to take some guys that are a little bit off the board. 1,100, I mean, excuse me, 11,000 plus 11,000. I think Sebastian Munoz is going to play really well this weekend and make some noise, folks. Make some noise as a dark horse in that top 10. I've had a couple dark horses finish really Bold. high. I'm going to call him the dark horse because of the odds, but sneaking into that top 10 for a finish. How about that? I Mr. like Needham? it. I like it. Well, hey, let's go snake snake draft here. Give me give me a cut maker this weekend. Okay, am I going to go back up with cut maker? A guy that we don't talk about much on this pod, and we should because it's an absolute not only class act, but I can tell you from the few times that I've heard him in interviews, would be an awesome hang. An Aussie who gets it around, around the greens, as well as anybody out there on tour, Mark Leishman. Big leash. We're getting him at plus 5,500, which is right there around what we call a cut maker. I think, again, he will play well. The conditions should be tougher than usual. He normally thrives in that. So give me Mark Leishman to make the cut uh, as my cut maker for the API. Yep, I like that pick. My cut maker is going to be the Kiz. Give me Kevin Kisner at plus 7,000, 70 to 1. You go yeah, back and yeah. look, look at his score you, from this say, weekend, bud. Okay, yeah. He actually played pretty well. He he dropped an 80 on Saturday, I believe, and which kind of knocked him in the head. But outside of that, the other three rounds were pretty good, man. And so he would have been up there in and around the top 10, but for one awful day at the WGC. And you talked about how penal – uh, it was, and, and so if you have one bad round, it can really kind of knock you out of contention. But other than California that, he played. League. Yeah, he played pretty well. And so give me the kids uh, to be my cut maker. I think at seventy to one, I like those odds there. I think you're getting some value. He didn't play as poorly, perhaps, as what his final. Uh, standings or his final score line uh, would have you believe at the WGC workday this past weekend. So I like well, the kids. I, I love kids, and obviously he's a great personality. It's fun to hear him talk. Anytime he, he gets in contention, one of the best parts yes. is his as an interview, which yep. means he gets to talk, which means that he says funny things. You know, a little bit of a shorter hitter by PGA Tour standards, which could struggle at Bay Hill being a longer course. Not the case with your next pick in your top tenner. Uh, walk us through how you got to our, uh, our lad from Ireland, Northern Ireland. Well, let me go with the chalk favorite here at plus 900, so 9-1 to one odds. And, of course, I'm talking about Rory McIlroy, right? So the top-ranked golfer in the field this weekend. Played pretty well this past week at the WGC. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to go out and be so bold to pick him to win the tournament because if I just go with the chalk, uh, it would make me feel a little bit icky. I'd always try to find value there uh, to a certain degree there. Uh, but uh, I think Rory is definitely going to be in the top 10. He's going to be there on Sunday. In contention, and uh, I, again, I'm not going to be so bold to pick him to win the tournament, Jay Till, 
but he's going to be there, and I think an easy top tenner. Well, another guy that had an absolute terrible week last week. He finished uh, tied for sixth, I believe. And so, again, how we all feel about Rory is if he's not winning, he's sucking. But consistently – That's how you feel about him, definitely. Well, uh, neither here nor there. Top ten, probably feeling comfortable because we know he's not going to win. So, Lanto Griffin. Guys, Lanto Griffin is a name. If you haven't heard this it already – This is a bold choice here. I like this. Here, here's how confident I am in this. I could have easily, with the odds, put Lonto down in the cutmaker category. He's seventy to one plus seven thousand this week. Let me tell you something about Lonto. He's long. Okay, seventy four hundred yard golf course. He's going to be licking his chops. Number two, absolute stellar snazzy dresser. Who else was a stellar snazzy dresser? None other than Arnold Palmer. Number three. I don't really have a number three, but two is really good, so I'm going to put him in my top ten, <laughs> 70 to 1, because I like being bold, and certainly I like being bold when called out that I don't have a deep enough roster of guys that I pick. So, Lanto, take me to the promised land and show these guys that we're not a four-trick pony. Oh, and as the great meatloaf would say, two out of three ain't bad, Jay Till. So, you get two two good points there, and that's well, probably all you two out of two, I need. just couldn't come up with a third. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, either way, two out of two ain't bad either, my well, friend. Phil- so, philosophical. Well, you you want to go winner? You want me to go winner? Well, I think you should go winner. Okay. Again, deferring to you All as right. always. I don't want to nudge in on your territory. So who do you have for winning the Arnold Palmer, Mr. Palmer Invitational? Well, I'm going to go with the guy who's been kind of sneaking around there. You know, he, he's, uh, he actually broke through, I think, and won his first tournament, if I'm not mistaken, what, a few, maybe two months ago, if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to think back now. Uh, yeah, but, he bagged the uh, the Shadow Creek event. Yeah, uh, C, uh, CJ Cup, which again they moved it from Asia. I, I believe that's what he bagged. Vegas, right? Back in, so, uh, back yeah. in October. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, well, give me Jason Kokrak at thirty five to one plus thirty five hundred. Again, another guy that played relatively well at WGC, a tough course. We saw that play out. I think he ended up at eleven under, seven strokes back off the leader, if I'm not mistaken. Um, again, I like the value here. I I, I think it's a again depleted field maybe perhaps or not the strongest field is maybe what field. we're accustomed we, yeah, we to. We I just I hate to say weak and I don't want to I don't want to degrade the guys that are in the field there. But but I think it's going to be a guy that's in that that ballpark kind of further down the list that's going to break through and get a win, which for them is going to be a huge win. And so I'm going to go with Jason Kokrak at 35 to 1. I like his chances. I like the value associated with him and I think he's going to win this thing this weekend. He's J-Tone. a bomber and that could definitely happen. Um you know, it has been a long day. Mondays are tough. I may need some help with this next pick. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious who I'm going to go with here, but I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you do the work here, Keith. Give me Vic Hovland at plus eighteen hundred. He's gonna he's gonna bring it home from Mexico and well, it's not Mexico, not right? Mexico, uh, not plus eighteen hundred. Nonetheless, Victor Hovland at plus twelve hundred. Uh, sitting in the two spot as far as the odds makers have him slotted, was one quadruple bogey away from taking home the hardware at the what really is the WGC Mexico, only moved because of the COVID. So a little bit out I of the I see the here. synchronicities going on there, JT. So it's it's Vic's time, and he is going to get it done. Uh, just talk about a happy-go-lucky guy. Who a little bit goofy, maybe not as uh, maybe not as suave as the uh, debonair Arnold Palmer was. I think he's kind of a goofball, isn't he? Certainly has the personality that uh, he'd slip on the uh, the sweater. I believe that they give the winner here uh, in style. Give me Vic Hovland plus twelve hundred to win the API and establish himself 
as Colin Morikawa's equal as it relates to PGA Tour victories and certainly uh, somebody who uh, is going to contend for a lot of tournaments here in 2021. Well, again, for our listeners out there, for our new listeners, I think we, we, I have to play that whole sound clip, J2. I've had this on the soundboard for months now. If we go all the way back uh, to to that to that uh, yeah, you never know what, Mexico. You never know what Keith is going to He records <laughs> everything, but you never know when he's going to cut into it. This, this was classic, J2, and I think you were a couple pops deep in this one, if I remember right. Give me Vic Hovland at plus 1,800. He's going he's gonna to bring it home from Mexico and... Right into Christmas like a Norwegian Viking. It's going to be historical. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Norwegian Viking. Again, we're, we're waiting to to get that on a t-shirt, I think, at just, some point. Just right? ahead of his ensuing victory at the Mayakoba. Mayakoba, yeah. yeah. I started to say Cabo, but that's the college term that's going on. Yeah, Mayakoba so, uh, Classic. Pick of 2020. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> Uh, you nailed our, it, eighteen to one. Young Hob. made some shekels for our listeners out there. That's still one of the the shining moments of this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It's it's a brief uh, history, but a proud <laughs> history, a proud history. <laughs> oh goodness! Uh, well, well, brother, I always love the one ten mark of the podcast. That's, that's where right. stuff really gets fun. Starts getting a little loose here at the one ten mark, but I, I think you're right. I think that means that we should probably wrap it up here, J Till. <laughs> and so for our listeners out there, we, again, we've talked about it on the last couple of pods, but we've got yeah, a new got yeah. a new Twitter for the podcast, right? Throw it out there, bud. yeah, we do, and getting a lot of love out there, which is uh, very much appreciated. I've been trying to ramp up the the activity, if you will, but at YSO Golf again, YSO where you're still out. At YSO Golf is on Twitter. Uh, lots of commentary. I try to retweet things that I think are relevant and fun, but also have some takes of my own. That is me behind the curtain doing the tweeting. Yeah, don't blame um, me, people. When I don't turn, you know, take a day off and then turn the controls over to Keith. And then at Jonathan Teal for maybe the, uh, the less uh, spicy takes or maybe the more spicy takes that we don't want to have attributed to our illustrious podcast at Jonathan Teal on Twitter, and then kind of a combo situation out there on Instagram where I try to a lot of posts of golf-specific photos and the like. Again, Jonathan W. Teal on the gram. Absolutely. Well, again, brother, I appreciate you being in studio and riding shotgun with me. Look forward to doing it again next week. And while this will wrap it up for this episode, ladies and gentlemen, remember that the conversation does not end here. To keep it going and also keep up with everything we're doing here at the Sports Pros Network, check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that's pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. As always, take care, everyone. We'll talk to you next week, and get out there and enjoy the walk.